For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We began last week with the parable of the narrow door and the imperative of making sure we get to that door to be saved. Not only is it necessary to get to and through the door, but there's also a time factor, we learned. The parable warned us that there will be a time when the householder will rise up and shut the door. Jesus got us our attention, got our attention with that parable. This week, we're presented with more jarring parables of the narrow door. We have a series of parables that St. Luke has purposely strung together as continuations of the narrow door parable. They give us wisdom and guidance on what it takes to get through the door and into the kingdom of God. And he uses, they use a setting of a dinner to accomplish that. A dinner is an effective choice by Jesus because he tells us that these marriage feast and banquet parables, while at a dinner himself with, ruling, with a ruling Pharisee and lawyers and others. This morning's parable in the string of parables on entering the kingdom is on hospitality and humility. Instructions are included on where to sit and where not to sit when you arrive at the marriage feast. These instructions include whom to invite if you are the host. These pieces of advice and warnings underscore the importance of who will get to the kingdom, how to behave in the kingdom, and the virtue necessary for entrance into the kingdom. We have heard the warning before. When you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' advice on how widely to spread the invitation also is included to those who are hosting. Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your kinsmen or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you, re you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. So we're dealt lessons on humility and hospitality. Those two things must be crucial for present and potential kingdom dwellers, you and me. The virtue of humility takes on a seriousness of purpose in this parable. It's not the kind of humility expressed by 
one of my favorite country and western songs. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. It's more than humility that is thought of as the opposite of pride. It's a virtue that is essential for those wanting a life in the kingdom. In the parable, the banquet and the marriage feast are the kingdom. So with that in mind, the hearers are really given a stern warning. There's no recognition of one's status in the kingdom. No recognition. Or even a potential for getting to the kingdom. If one has even a passing thought of deserving it, because the parable says, when you're invited by anyone to a marriage feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest a more eminent man than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. That is a stern warning. It teaches us that there's no right, no assumption of merit to any degree for entrance into the kingdom feast. Even the thought of recognition, evidently, is disqualification. You can't think, oh, how good I am. Even that passing thought sends you from the kingdom. The good things of God, his grace, his mercy, his love, our participation in the sacraments, our presence in his kingdom are all unwarranted. No one has a right to them. We do not decide or deserve whatever our place is in the kingdom or how much grace we're going to get. It's a difficult lesson to chew on and to swallow at a banquet. It's hard on the ears, especially if you're perfect in every way. The humility that is just a large factor in determining participation in God's kingdom might be thought of simply being open to the movement of the Holy Ghost. Think of it that way. Rather than the opposite of pride, humility is ultimately being completely open to the Holy Ghost. It is complete submission of the will to the Holy Ghost. In the parable, the guest who took the place of honor was removed from his place because he thought he should be there and was in shame put to the lowest place. What does that mean for us? What do we do to practice and increase this virtue of humility? To whom do we look as an example of being completely open to the Holy Ghost? Well, I have answers to both questions. The answer to the first question, how do we practice and increase the virtue of humility, the answer to that question is love. The answer to the second question, to whom do we look as an example, that answer is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Practicing humility can only come 
from the love that we give to God. The honor, the obedience, the submission, the self-giving love given to him and to him alone is the source of humility in us. Here's where humility and hospitality come together. Because that same love shown to God necessarily needs showing to others. Remember the instruction to the host in the parable is, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you, you will be repaid in the resurrection of the just, because you'll be just. All the distractions from giving God the love that he deserves first need to be set aside. We go to the letter of the he- to the Hebrews, and that reminds us in a very positive way what our obligations are if we want the love of God first in our lives. Here it is. Show hospitality to strangers. Visit those in prison and those who are ill-treated. Obey marriage vows. Let the love of God supersede the love of money. In other words, peel away distractions that keep you from setting the love of God first. Out of that kind of love, humility grows in us and prepares us for the kingdom. We know it's possible to achieve that. We know it is because we have the perfect example of humility in the Blessed Virgin Mary. What other person is there who reveals complete openness to the movement and the will of the Holy Ghost? It is she who allowed herself, her soul, and her body to be given over to the will of God. She sings in her song of thanksgiving, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. When God did not ask, but he revealed to her that she was to bear his only son into the world, her immediate response was, Be it unto me according to thy word. She is saying, Please, God, let your will be my will. Without asking, without interpretation, with perfect obedience, Mary is the vehicle for salvation to be brought into the world. That is openness to the Holy Ghost. That's the kind of openness and humility to which all of us are called, and the ultimate end is the salvation of our souls. These narrow-door pol- <laughs> narrow policies, I was going to call them, these narrow-door parables are really just that. They're all about our soul's salvation. Whether it's the striving to get to and to go through the narrow door, or the householder shutting the door, or the crying to be let in, or purposely taking a seat of honor and being humiliated by being removed from it, or achieving some degree of humility and being exalted by it, or extending the invitation to everyone regardless of their condition. All of those parables, particularly today's parable of the wedding feast, are about the care and the salvation 
of our souls. We've probably all known and sense, have a sense of the anticipation of joy and of hope when you've attended a wedding reception. It's there. You can sense it among the guests. We want the bride and the groom to flourish in their life together. We see and sense the wedding couple and their families anticipating children being brought into the world as a result of this union. We are reminded that unity from the bonds of love are the way of God. That is the picture presented at the wedding reception, and that's the picture of the salvation of our souls. Joy in the kingdom and oneness with God for the soul is the result. The marriage feast is the kingdom of God, and that's where God wants our soul, in his kingdom. Jesus is the narrow door leading us into the marriage feast. Let him be the way that you enter the kingdom because God, the host, has invited to you, you to attend that feast with Jesus, his son. Spend your time in this part of the kingdom positioning yourself in the best place to receive God's grace, especially his grace of humility. That's the, that is only accomplished by loving him above all things and spreading that love to all, just as God is compassionate and loving to all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.